The text, the reading and the text this morning are Psalm 29, continuing on from last time we celebrated Lord's Supper. It's Psalm 29, and we'll read that together. It's a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. And Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, imagine if you were a farmer and you moved to a different country that had a different climate. And if you were wise, you would learn how to farm in that new situation from the locals who have years of experience. When the Israelites moved to Canaan after their slavery in Egypt, they probably would have learnt that since the land was so dependent on the weather conditions, which were very different than they were in Egypt with the flooding of the Nile, some of the strategy that the locals followed in their farming was the invocation, the calling upon of the so-called weather gods of the sea, Yam, and the storms, Baal, and the gods of fertility. Baal, the god of the storm, needed to, needed to be appealed to in order to defeat Yam, the, the god of the sea, and then return with water-giving storms at the correct time for the harvests. And the Israelites would have been warned by the local Canaanites against just disregarding these fertility rites that were so ingrained in the very way the locals farmed the land. And it could have been tempting to address a short prayer to a natural force or a weather god or even the rain itself and just say, come on, rain, I really need you for my crops. And perhaps they might have even been tempted to recite one of the local Canaanite poems. And we've found some of them among the fragments of ancient Phoenician and Ugaritic texts that contained similar words and themes to those that we just read together in Psalm 29. And if this was the case, and and the references in the psalm to places like Lebanon and Syrian, which is Mount Hermon, and Kadesh, they were located outside the Holy Land, they may confirm that this truly was the case. Then Psalm 29 comes to the church as a clear correction and a clear rebuke to anyone who might turn to any other power than the Lord God Almighty. 
And even if there was any borrowing of the words or the themes of existing pagan literature, Psalm 29 clearly gives no opportunity to put uh, to praise the faith of other nations. Rather, the psalm is exactly the opposite. It reveals the complete futility of trusting in any other power than the sovereign Lord. Singing Psalm 29 doesn't make us desire to manipulate some lowly weather gods that the, the pagans worshipped, but rather it leads us to bow and worship before the Lord of all creation and all natural forces, and we pray to Him for peace. Psalm 29 makes it very clear that the Lord, the God of Israel, is not just so, a so-called moral God, but He is also God over all creation. Like the song of Moses, after the Lord delivered them through the Red Sea, Psalm 29 is a victory song for the church, a victory song that celebrates the Lord's majesty and power that far exceeds the, the power that's even attributed to other gods of other religions. The voice of the Lord proves superior to all that is vast and high and seemingly unshakable. And I preach you the gospel for all who turn to him under this theme, the voice of the Lord is like a storm. We'll see ascribed glory to the Lord in creation and in conversion. If you have Psalm 29 before you, you can see the words thunder and the words flashes of fire. And this is combined with descriptions of broken trees and frightened animals and adjectives like power and majesty, and immediately our minds are turned to a storm. We can picture, as we read the psalm, the, the dark clouds and the lightning flashes coming out over the Mediterranean Sea, and then on land over Mount Lebanon and Mount Hermon, Syrian, to the north of Israel, with rumbling thunder shaking the earth, and, and lightning strikes breaking mighty trees. The storm in all its thundering splendor and power, it makes us feel tiny. And yet it fills us with excitement and life at the same time. We cry out, glory! That is so awesome! The church uses this picture of the storm to lift our hearts and minds to the one who has authority and power to send the storm with his authoritative voice. Using the words of Psalm 29, we praise the Lord for His voice that is over the waters, verse 3. And we remember how the Lord spoke to call the waters into being at the time of creation. The voice of the Lord commanded the worldwide flood into being in the days of Noah. When the Son of God took on human flesh, He rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was great calm because even the winds and the seas obeyed his voice. The thunder echoing over the many waters reminds us of the God of glory, the power and the majesty of our Savior who sits enthroned as King in heaven forever. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor 
of his holiness. And in Psalm 29, the church declares that the voice of the Lord is even more powerful than the mighty cedars that he can just break. The mountains, Lebanon and and Syrian or or Hermon, which stood as symbols of stability that he makes skip like calves and like young wild oxen and even shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And as we read, the, the voice of the Lord shaking the wilderness and making the deer give birth and, and stripping the forests bare, our hearts are lifted up in praise for the majestic display of the Lord's splendor over all creation. There is no need to turn to, to weather gods or to Mother Nature or even to, to talk to the rain itself when we are dealing with droughts and plagues or diseases. For the Lord is above all created things, and He alone can send these hardships or take them away. And we're reminded of jo- the Lord's answer to Job when Job was looking to him for justice, even challenging and, and questioning him. The answer given in Job 38 to 41, very similar to Psalm 29. We praise the Lord as we read the psalm for His sovereignty. This God is our covenant Lord. When He speaks, things happen. The impressive thunderstorm is nothing when we consider the voice of the One behind it all. And we join with those in His temple and we cry out, Glory! For this voice that thunders out from the Lord who is above all things in heaven and on earth is the same voice that calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Ascribe glory to the Lord in conversion. If you look at Psalm 29, verse 9, you can see how the the church moves their attention from the thunderstorm to the temple. In the context of Psalm 29, the temple of the Lord can refer to heaven, can refer to creation, to the Old Testament place where the Lord met with his people in peace through the blood of the sacrifices. We know that Jesus Christ fulfilled the temple and is a permanent mediator right now between God and his people. So the New Testament even calls the church itself the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we sing, in his temple all cry glory, we are singing about the faithful response of the faithful response to God's revelation that is found among the people who believe in Jesus Christ. When we sing that in his temple all cry glory, we are singing about ourselves. Psalm 29 verses 1 to 2 calls the church to ascribe glory, to join in with the heavenly beings and the faithful in his temple, his church, They obey by giving praise, speaking of the excellency of the Lord with an attitude of humble joy and celebration, struck by the awesome majesty of the God whom we know as our Father in Jesus Christ, we cry out, glory. The very act of obeying the words of the psalm that we sing and ascribing glory to the Lord is evidence of the powerful voice of the Lord 
in our lives. When we sing the confession and doxology of Psalm 29, we reveal what the voice of the Lord is able to do among us. The voice of the Lord makes people with sinful natures and rebellious desires bow their knees before Him and cry out glory. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ can see the power and majesty of the voice of the Lord in a very close and personal way. They cry glory because of the power and strength of God's voice that spoke to them in His divine Word. They cry glory because the Word of God became flesh and made His dwelling among us so that He might save us from the wrath of God. As the Lord Jesus called the dead Lazarus to life with His voice, so He calls us through His Spirit and His Word. We cry glory because the Holy Spirit has penetrated the inner recesses of our hearts to soften our hearts and open our minds to love and worship our Creator, ascribing to the Lord the glory, the strength, and the splendor do His name. And as the rolling thunder and the flashing lightning displays display the power and strength of the Creator of heaven and earth, the repentance and the conversion of the sinner brought to worship displays the rumbling, shaking power of God the Holy Spirit. We should not imagine the work of the Lord in our lives as a mere gentle advising. We, we talked about this together in, in a catechism class this week. We're not imagining the, the voice of the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit as a mere gentle advising as if He were a little angel on our shoulder pleading with us to do, what, to do the right thing. When you believe, it is because the Almighty, eternal Creator of heaven and earth who called the universe into being with His words, powerfully and mysteriously works in your heart through His Word to give you completely new, life-changing desires. The same voice that called creation into being calls sinners to repentance in conversion. The next time you see a storm, like the big ones we, we saw last summer, the big one that came out over over from the west and came across our city. Think of Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord that called the universe into being and brought life and change to your hearts. More impressive than the thunder and the lightning is the name of the Lord enthroned above the seas who changed your heart so that you want to worship Him forever. And as the Holy Spirit then leads us to to want to sing and and to sing Psalm 29 with with all sincerity, he, He uses the form of the psalm and the words of the psalm to draw us into the storm of God's voice and to join in the praise of all creation in the presence of the majestic splendor of the Lord Almighty. The repetition of the words ascribe in the first verses. And then after that, the repetition of the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the seven thunders. 
gives the, the psalm a beat and a rhythm that, that invites the singer to join in with the call, echoing the very sound of the rumbling thunder interspersed with flashes of lightning. The Lord is with his church. Rather than turn to superstition, or scientists, or any other force that we are told can help us with our task in this world, let us ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Let us ask the one who is enthroned above all the universe for strength. And ironically, in the midst of all the thunder and lightning and breaking and shaking, for peace. May the Lord give strength to his people, we pray. May the Lord bless his people with peace. He is able and he is willing to hear you. Amen.